Okay, welcome back to the United Pubcast, the podcast of the Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney. And Larry, I think there is only one way to start this podcast and just went to the fridge. And I think the only way to do it is to crack open a cold one because we are going to have a bad chat. I think it's gonna, not, not going to be exciting. Um, when you lose a football match like that, it is a nightmare, especially the way we capitulated at the end. I just don't know what to make of it. We're going to dissect everything on and off the pitch, and I think more happened off the pitch. But just sum up your day for me. This Sunday where you're supposed to enjoy the rest of your weekend, but as usual, uh, Man United have ruined it. And my dog has got a sneezing fit behind me, if you can hear that in the background. (laughs) All good. Well, that's a great way to open the podcast, Tom. I'm telling everyone it's not going to be a good listen. I'm sure everyone is just dying to stay on the stream and give us a stay with us for the next half hour as we dissect everything Manchester United. Look, it was it was a really disappointing result, wasn't it? And I think it's disappointing in the context of we played really positive football, uh, particularly in the first half. We want to say for about thirty five minutes. Um, look, second half, and this happens in a game of football. Um, you know, you will have a team that bounces back and has their own opportunities to, I guess, put their authority or their stamp on the game. But I just thought United managed it poorly and. This happens in a game of football, and that's completely fine. I don't expect Manchester United to dominate for 95 minutes. But what I do expect is when you concede a goal, particularly when you're 2-0 up, just manage the game. You're expecting your experienced heads, your quote-unquote leaders, if you can call them that, to just be able to manage the game, tell the players what they need to do. This isn't about formations. This isn't about tactics. This is what Ronaldo was talking about, Tom. This is all about mentality and... I think United, unfortunately, showed how fragile their mentality is. I can't hear a word you're saying. I'm on mute. Am I back now? Yep. Yep, all good. Apologies about that. Yeah, no, I think mentality is the word, sort of the buzzword. It's been control and pressing and everything under Ralph Rangie. But since Ronaldo came out with his... Um, interview. It's been all about mentality and attitude, and rightly so. We'll just go to a few comments in the live chat, and there are a few in here. So if we don't get to all your comments throughout, um, my apologies, but do keep them all flying in, and we'll get to what we can. Um, if you are in the live chat, please do leave a like on the video. As I said last time, you're holding your phone now. It takes one second to click like. No skin off your back. It really does help the channel. But just say hi to a few guys. Mike, as always, is here. Good to see you. Matt from the Supporters Club. Um, how are we? Um, I think if Matt answers this question, could be better. Yeah, definitely not. Um, not the best of moods. Um, I should say Matt Ryan saying Bloody Hell United. Dion here saying, I've said um, said it before, this club is in trouble. I think it's more than trouble now. I think some of the things that have come out are um, hugely concerning. Um, Scott here, good mate of ours from, um, it's a football thing, Arsenal fan. Imagine my shock that an Arsenal fan is in here after a Man United loss, but you're more than welcome, Scott. Um, feel free to put your link to um, it's a football thing in the live chat. Antonio, always good to see you, mate. George as well. What a game to watch out played in the midfield as usual. It'll be interesting. If we didn't have those two sort of lapses in concentration and concede two goals, it would be very interesting to see what we made of the performance. Um, because as you said, there were parts that were a little bit better, but ultimately in midfield we did get. So to punish Trev here saying, evening, lads, and Ahmad uh, watching live from my shower. Um, lucky man, lucky man. And, um, yeah, football tragic, silly question. So, look, we will try and get to as many um, your comments as we go, but we'll try and keep the chat flowing as sort of smoothly as possible, but feel free to get all your thoughts in as we go. And look, Larry, there is a lot to discuss, especially off the pitch, and I think more importantly off the pitch, because when you lose a game like that, especially in the manner like that, it's frustrating and you, you sort of think, okay, sell this player, or the manager's no good, or we need this fix. But ultimately, before the game, not that we would have taken a draw at Villa, but you think the situation we're in, you think, okay, many people tipped a draw. All we wanted was a bit of a better performance, which we got for large parts. 
And ultimately, if it was 1-0, then 1-1, then 2-1, then 2-2, it wouldn't have the same feeling as sort of blowing a sort of two-goal lead type thing. So ultimately, we're going to get worse results than that this season. We're going to get worse days than that this season. So the draw, I'll take on the chin, move on. Okay, it is what it is. For half an hour, I got a bit of a better sort of performance. So I'll take it. Disappointing, but I'll take it. What happened in the hours after the match with Ralph Frank and Anthony Martial? There's been a lot of low points, Larry, in the last 10 years or coming on to a decade now since we last won the title. This goes close to a low point for me. And we'll get into that in a little bit. We'll dissect it later. But just in terms of that immediate aftermath of the game, um, this is a bad situation we're in at the moment. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, look, I don't know what, what to make of that. Um, where do we start? Do we start with the football match or we'll leave Martial? We'll come to that. I think in terms of the actual game, I don't agree with the sentiment of United losing the midfield. I don't think it was typical in, in the case of, you know, we, we lost the battle or Aston Villa. Yes, Aston Villa did pin United back. And I, I saw Ralph Rennick's comments in the post game suggesting, you know, whether he should have reverted to a back three or not. I, I, I don't, I don't really, I, I don't know why he's coming out and saying that. I don't think that does wonders for the squad. If you got your manager coming out and making comments like that, you're not sure of what you should do. How do you expect the players? You're giving the players an out almost. And I, I didn't like that comment from, from the German, but I think what's an issue for United, Tom, is they can't sustain a level of performance. As much as I love Nemanja Matic, our best passages of football this season have come when he's actually been on the field. But the issue is he can't he can't put 90 minutes together, let alone back-to-back football matches. Uh, and then I think ultimately the mm-hmm. midfield is where United do fall apart. But how awful were our defenders today? I have to say Ra- Rafael Varane. I, I haven't seen the player who played at Real Madrid, the guy who's won three or four, four Champions Leagues. I'm not seeing that player at the moment. He, he, he's highly at fault for the second goal, it has to be said. I think the fullback showed whatever you think of Wan-Bissaka or Luke Shaw. I think Tellez and Delo both play their part in both goals. So they're not clearly up to the standard if we want to be winning football games week in, week out. So the reality is, yes, there's a mentality issue and should United be winning? Absolutely. But the calibre of players out there, the ones that are questionable, you're still wondering whether they're United quality. And the ones who you expect better from, like your Rafael Varans, like your Freds, like your Nemanja Matiches, they're not at the races. So there's a lot going wrong at the moment. Well, you mentioned a lot, a lot of negatives and well, there's no hiding from the fact there are a lot of negatives, but I do just want to touch on one positive and obviously we'll touch on this obviously further on when we, if we do manage to get in a 3-2-1 voting type thing. But Bruno Fernandes, I, I think he made a huge difference because the main reason, he played in midfield. He didn't play as a number 10. He played alongside Fred in pretty much a number eight role. And I think that is what stemmed the better performance. I think there was less distance between the lines. I don't think we've particularly played a high line type thing. I just think there was less distance between the lines, mainly because Bruno Fernandes wasn't closing down the goalkeeper. So when Aston Villa played the ball into midfield, we suddenly had three plays in there. We had Matic, Fred and Bruno type thing, where in previous games, Bruno Fernandes has been standing next to Emi Martinez. And that's why our midfield has been overloaded. So it was the first time in... I don't know, since that first spell under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer where we actually went to an old-fashioned 4-3-3 and ultimately, in my opinion, played our best football under Ralf Rangnick. Absolutely. There are positives to take out of the game and I think that's the issue with when you go online after a result that's not a win. Um, everyone's very extreme. It's United were dog shit or United were brilliant. It, it's, it's always somewhere in the middle, Tom. It's always somewhere in the middle. And over the 90 minutes, or over the football game, I thought United were probably the better side. I thought we deserved the victory over the balance of play. But unfortunately, if you switch off in the Premier League, 
even if it's for three minutes, you can easily concede two goals because there's no team that's poor enough. Gerard goes home happy, unfortunately, and we're on here moaning and complaining. Well, the two words that always pop up, attitude and mentality, and there's two other sort of main topics I want to get into off the pitch, but we're talking on the pitch in regards to what obviously Cristiano Ronaldo has spoken about and we've always spoken about, but we did need to hear it from the horse's mouth type thing and someone behind the scenes and someone who's actually experiencing it and sort of coming forth with an honest um, answer, which Cristiano Ronaldo did. But ultimately, you can throw away a game. Look, I'm sure Cristiano Ronaldo has been part of teams that have blown two goals, two goal leads or three goal leads. It probably happened at his first spell at United that these things do happen from time to time. However, it wasn't a surprise. You could see when we did go 2-0 up, Aston Villa was starting. And look, Aston Villa naturally were going to sort of get a bit of a foothold in the game. They had to gamble a little bit. So they're obviously going to be on the front foot and pin United back a little bit. But ultimately, it's not, at no surprise because we, every, every ground we go to, Larry, it's the biggest game of the season. Every single ground we go to, there might be one or two clubs who will try and convince themselves that someone else, probably Everton, probably maybe Liverpool's a bigger game, but Liverpool's definitely a bigger game for us. Arsenal and Tottenham will convince themselves they're the big rivalry between each other. I think when United are in town, United are the big game for them. But look, there's no hiding from Arsenal. Tottenham is a big game, but I think United is their biggest game. Aston Villa obviously is Man United. Is Aston Villa Man United? Sorry, is Aston Villa's biggest game. Our bet, the away record we had last season or whenever it was, was behind closed doors. We can't deal with this crowd getting on top of us. So a football game is a football game. But when you're playing for Manchester United, you have to be able to deal with the external factors, and that is the crowd getting on top of you. And Diego Delo's first touch today, we played it from kickoff out to Lindelof. Lindelof played it out to Diego Delo. Diego Delo, the ball bounced over his foot and went out. Now, ultimately, it didn't have an effect in the start of the game because we went on to actually start quite well. But it's those little things. You can't let the crowd get on top because when the crowds do get on top of these players, we fold. As soon as Coutinho came on the field, that was, look, not to sort of take the piss against Aston Villa, but I'm going to say it was probably one of Aston Villa's biggest moments in the last 10, 20 years type thing. That's a huge moment for Aston Villa, Philip Coutinho coming on the pitch. So the crowd was buzzing. As soon as that happened, you felt our players almost go, oh, hang on, we're not really comfortable in this situation. And for a Manchester United player, you have to be comfortable in that situation because for the last 30, 40 years, we have always been the biggest game of the season no matter where we go, and these players just can't deal with it. Or some of yeah, the players can't deal with you. it. And I've got to be honest, I think that there's just a genuine lack of quality. I, I, I'm almost sorry for coming on here and slagging off Fred. I wrote it in our, in our group chat. If you can recall, around the ninth minute, United actually played out from the back really well. We were linking up passes, the players were coming short, there was a long option, and we are actually being able to get through Villa. Cavani plays a pass to Fred, heavy touch, and then they're on the counter-attack. And that's just down to a sheer lack of quality. I don't think Fred gets nervous. I, I don't. I actually think Fred believes he's brilliant. I think Fred thinks he has the ability of Ronaldinho. But unfortunately, he's just got a severe lack of quality, and I think it's a combination of what you're saying, absolutely. I think... We do have players who do get overawed, but we also have players who just simply should not be in Manchester United shirts. With all due respect to Fred. Yeah, no, look, it's very hard to argue. And what I want to do, we usually save the 3 2 ones towards the, ep- towards the end of the episode, but we do have two sort of big talking points we do want to sort of dissect in a little bit of depth. So we'll go on the 3 2 ones just because there are no real sort of positives to cling on to. So I think it will be relatively short, and I think everyone's 3 2 ones will be. Kind of relatively similar, I think. So we will move on to three, two, ones, Larry, just to almost get them over and done with. And in the live chat, please get your three, two, ones in as we go, and we'll read as many out as we can. I think Larry, ultimately, it's a disappointing result, and performance was okay at times, but then ultimately capitulated, which will affect the scores. 
I think it's pretty straightforward. I'll just give you my three off the bat. I thought Bruno Fernandes obviously played quite well with the two goals. I thought he was much better in that, not deeper role, but obviously in midfield. David De Gea again stood out. I'm not sure what the score would have been with David De Gea with a few big saves. And ultimately, maybe he didn't stay on the pitch long enough, but I thought Anthony Langa proved a difference compared to what we have seen on the left-hand side. I think he's worth a shout in ultimately a disappointing day. Yeah, I definitely agree with Bruno. Um, I actually thought Greenwood was quite good. If, I, if good, Greenwood, Greenwood would have got points for me, but ultimately when you do lose – or sorry, I kept saying lose the game. Antonio pulled me up on it. When you do draw the game like that, he was wasteful. And not wasteful in a bad way. He wasn't missing sitters or anything, but he got into positions where you think – not that he should have scored, but you think usually he does score from there. And ultimately, when you sort of do, when that does prove costly, I'm not, I'm not saying he cost us the result, but yeah, maybe he should have put one or two of those away and we're having a different discussion. So I'm not saying he lost us the game. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a tough one with Greenwood. I think subconsciously, I don't want to give De Gea points because I know he's running away with it. I know that's awful of me. I know that's it's not fair. He he did play well. I didn't think to hate, I didn't think any of his saves. Well, they were good. I didn't think. No, no, he made two, two, two really good saves. The one from Ramsey, who's the player I said in the preview. I, I yeah, thought he was really yeah, good in the fair. FA Cup game. He's a player. I, I like him. He and look, obviously, looks like man, you know, I don't got to sign anyone now. And I'm not saying go out and sign Ramsey, but in terms of the profile, in terms of we do look at current players who are not at the end of their career, but at the end of the big contract and the situations they find themselves in. Ralph Rangi has spoken about getting plays on their first big contract. So I'd like to see the next year or two of our, um, that Ramsey guy and see what he does. But um, continue with your three, two, ones. Look, I think I think I do agree with you. Um, I'm almost tempted to swap Alenga and De Gea, if I'm being honest. I thought the saves were good. I just, I think if I can just be a fair critic here, I think De Gea's distribution puts pressure on the way we play with the ball in saying that he digs us out a lot. Um, so that's where I'm a bit split. I thought there were times today where his distribution was quite poor. He, he tends to give the ball away. I'd be keen to see what his, his pass completion percentages are. Uh, so I, I'm personally one going to lean a Lenga, but I understand De Gea for the two points. That, that's probably the way I'd go. I, I think De Gea is worthy of points. I'd say give the number one one point. But um, have I convinced you? Am, am I making a compelling case here? Well, I'm just looking. I just threw up all the three, two, ones in the live chat. And look, everyone has gone Bruno for three points, and the majority do have De Gea for two for two points. So what I'll do for you, Alanga and Greenwood, um, you can toss up a point. Um, who gets the point there? Because a lot of that's fifty fifty between Alanga and Greenwood for one point. There. Uh, I'd edge towards Alanga. I thought he did. I thought he did less wrong than Greenwood. Just did. Be, what I thought, Alanga, he proved a point. He tried to take his chance. Um, he got his I chance and he did, that's he did the, the most to try and take isn't it. it? <clears throat> isn't that the frustrating thing? Like, you have, you have you hear the likes, and to be fair to Donny van der Beek, he hasn't personally come out. But you, you see a Langa who's come in. Ralph Rennick wouldn't know who he is. I highly doubt he was scouting him over in Russia. He comes in, he's obviously doing something in training where Ralph Rennick's impressed and he's given him a shot. And to be fair to him, he's taking his opportunity. And this kid who's got less than 10 appearances for Manchester United, is putting in more than Marcus Rashford has all season. Stop muting yourself, Tom. There we go. I think I'm coming down with COVID. That is why. So I'll keep muting my microphone to have a bit of a cough, but um, I'll go and get my COVID test tomorrow. Um, hopefully I'm off work at the moment. So maybe it's a good thing if I go and get COVID now and I'll be ready, fit and ready to go for when work does return at the end of term, or at the end of January, sorry. But um, okay, three, two, one. So we'll go Bruno... De Gea and Anthony Alanga. So Anthony Alanga is off the board points-wise. Now, two other points or two other topics now we'll bring up. So make sure in the live chat you do um, 
get your thoughts in on these ones. And we'll start on the first one in Ralph Rangnick. And look, ultimately, yes, we're going to talk about players and players are responsible. But ultimately, we are seeing, look, Ralph Rangnick came in and, sp- and this is not a criticism of him, but he came in and spoke a very good game. But ultimately, that's very easy to do. Now, obviously, he does it at a very elite level and he's very articulate and he obviously knows what he's talking about. But talking a big game and managing Manchester United are two different things. And ultimately, we all sat here and when Solskjaer was sacked and it was a real low point on the Solskjaer, we said, even without any real evidence, we thought we knew about Ralph Rangnick, but really we're just being lazy and we're saying, oh, yeah, he's Germany invented um, pressing. Yeah, we really did know nothing about um, Ralph Rangnick. If you did, fair play, but I think a lot of people would have been lying saying they did. However, managing Manchester United is a different beast and ultimately he's making the same mistakes as Ole Gunnar. Not the same mistakes, just the same things are happening as um, as they did under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So just the Banner, new manager, same mistakes. What is changing? Like, okay, yeah, we've got a half-hour spell where it's a little bit sort of bit more fluid football and a little bit more higher up the pitch. But ultimately, that's not really much of a change, in my opinion. And that's not really to go overboard critical of him, but I'm not seeing anything at the moment which is going well. He's not putting his hat in the ring for a long-term position as manager. That's what I'm saying, mainly. Can I be entirely honest with you? I, is it almost extreme to say if we continue this current level of performance or consistency or lack thereof, is he at risk of not seeing out the season? <laughs> look, look, maybe that could be the right decision. That's a debate for another day, depending on how results go. I just think from a PR perspective, I don't think United would allow themselves to get in that position. I think they'll let it they'll let it get bad and they'll get their spin doctors in the media to paint a pretty picture to say, well, he's weeding out the deadwood kind of thing and they'll just sort of ride it out. I could you imagine a club sacking an interim manager? Like, it's just, I can't see how the club um, do that. Even if it, I'm not saying it's the right decision, but even if it was the right, I don't know how they go about that decision. All right. Well, let's let, let's actually talk about the facts. What, what have you made of Ralph Rennick so far? What do you think he's doing right? What do you think he's doing wrong? Look, I think he's been fine. I think players need to be exposed to different styles and different voices and different ideas. So obviously he is getting that across in terms of his ideas to the players, and that is ultimately a good thing for players. They just can't have the same instruction and same voice year after year. It is a good thing to freshen things up. So I'm sure he is doing that. I'm sure the players are learning. Um, whether they're implementing it or not now, I think, like a player like Scott McTominay, I think he's, he might not be a better player in the next two weeks. But over the next two or three years, I think he will become a better player if that's under Ralph Rangnick or not. Now that's up to the players to sort of take on board what he is saying. I think it's ultimately coming out that some of the players aren't taking it on board and that's on the players and that's not on the manager. So ultimately you look at the results, the results probably haven't actually been that bad. Now they have come in sort of relatively so-called easy fixtures where we probably do expect all close to maximum points. But ultimately what have we lost? One game, two game, one game and one draw or something. So the results haven't been horrible. Now they haven't been good enough, but ultimately it has been the performances. Now we all sat here when Ralph Rangnick came in and said, ideal ideal interim manager. He's ideal for the interim basis. But now I look back at it and see how it's unfolding. Well, in terms of what he does want to implement, that's going to take time. So maybe I look back and think, well, maybe we're just saying that through positivity and trying to be positive. But really, you might actually be the worst interim po- appointment because you need someone to come in and just get a bounce. So I can only done a Solskjaer. You're probably going to mention get a Wayne Rooney type thing. But in terms of putting Ralph Rangnick, who needs hours and hours and yeah, weeks yeah, and weeks... Yeah, yeah. Hold on. You just said something that excited me. Wayne Rooney is the next manager. Seriously, can we talk about Derby? I, I would, I'm happy to sit here and talk about Derby County. What they are doing in the championship is absolutely they insane. They're, they're, they're off bottom spot and they're nine points away from safety. That is yeah. bonkers. Well, in the live chat, let us know. Like, look, this is jumping ahead of ourselves. And we're not saying Wayne Rooney to be the next Manchester United manager. If he, does, if, he, if he does keep Derby up, 
and look, we've seen this. Okay, Oliana Solskjaer had no Premier League, or he did have Premier League experience, but he had no experience at the elite level to take over the Manchester United job. But we all still wanted it. We've often learned when we now learn from that mistake. Would you be happy to almost do the same thing with Wayne Rooney, even though we have been burnt before? It's an interesting one. But um, continue on, Larry. Sorry. If you brought Wayne Rooney, all right, hold on. I know this sounds nuts. Okay, I'm doing a little bit of this tongue in cheek. He is my favorite United player. I've got. I've got a frame of it, a frame of him signed in my bedroom. I love the guy. I think if you, I think there is a situation where you could do it, but I think if you were going to do it, you would need a, a sporting director, a consultant. You, you'd want someone experienced who can almost be that ear for him to bounce off of. Um, look, he's he's not as much as I I, I love fairy tales, Tom. Um, I think Ronaldo coming to United or returning to United is as good as it's going to get. I think Rooney would need to take another job, potentially in the Premier League like Gerrard is doing, uh, continue to perform or exceed expectation. And should he do that, then I think we could be having this discussion. But um, look, I, I don't as impressive as what he's doing is, I think it's, look, fighting for survival against fighting for championships are two different things. In saying that, I, I have to give him credit where it's due. I think he misunderstood Ronaldo's comments uh, during the Oh, yeah, that, 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 was, that was spun by the media. There was nothing in that. Yeah, yeah, I know. The, the media being lazy there. Um, but, you know, even Ronaldo said we should be winning. And if we're not winning, then at the absolute minimum, top three. So, yeah, media doing what the media does. But, uh, look, I love Wayne Rooney. He's doing an absolutely belting job. In, on, look, in terms of Ralph Rennick, I think where I will be critical, and I agree with everything you said, in hindsight, I, I don't think he was the right man to bring in on an interim basis. The other thing, and, and to be honest, this is something that I emotionally got caught up in as opposed to looking at the facts. He hasn't been a football – he's been a football manager one year in the last 10 years. And that was, I think, two seasons ago when he was the manager at um, Leipzig. Yeah. Outside of that, hasn't managed since, I think, 2011 for, for Schalke when, when United versed him. So well, it, 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 was the, it was the main concern we did have. We said, okay, he understands football. He might be a good coach. He might have great scouting networks. He can talk a big game. And that's not critical of him, but these are all things. Managing a big club. That's something – Something we're almost critical of Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho had managed every big club in world football, and we almost looked at him and said, well, he's never managed a club like Man United sort of thing. So could you imagine a play, uh, manager like Ralph Rangnick? And again, that's not to be critical of him, but it's just the fact that, and obviously that time out of the game is all the game does move on, especially in England. So it's an interesting one. Anything on Ralph Rangnick before we move on to Ralph Rangnick? He's obviously part of the next discussion as well. But I did see a comment here. One of the issues, which I think is a... Very basic issue, but is obviously something that does sort of pop up and sort of relevant. So he's not wrong here. Powell's saying he rang it way too late with the subs. Oli, um, Donny van der Beek and Jesse Lingard on in injury time. That's, that's what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did. That's what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was crucified for, and in my opinion, rightly so. Well, not crucified, but was criticised for. Ralph Rangit was going to come in and be proactive with his substitutions. Well, he wasn't. Yeah, I thought there was an opportunity to put Donny on. I think Matic looked knackered probably around the... There was a cut scene to him. I want to say it was around 70-odd minutes. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Matic was knackered. Anyone could see that. I think if you wanted to keep control of the game, what Donny is good at is keeping the ball. So I think that would have been a good substitution to make, potentially after the first goals conceded. But he didn't react. Um, and look, someone I think it was Antonio who mentioned it earlier. What's he doing different to what Solskjaer is doing? Solskjaer needed to go, absolutely. You can't lose 4-1 to Watford, 5-0 to Liverpool and 2-0 to Manchester City in the, in the manner that United did. 
But goodness me, I gotta say, I can't, I can't say I've been impressed with Ralph Rennick. And the other thing, Tom, like you said, you need an immediate impact when you bring in an interim manager. It's almost about, it's what Ronaldo said. It's about the mentality. It's about bringing the group together. That's what an interim's there to do. It's about to maximize the level of performance from the players, not to blow up the system mid-season and try and get them playing a whole different style. I just. I think that was criminal of him. He came in with the 4 triple two. We sat after the first game, even against Crystal Palace, we didn't look good with the ball. Bruno Fernandes didn't look comfortable. And you've seen Bruno has put in his two best performances back-to-back in a long time, probably since the Newcastle game. And it's because he's being deployed centrally. So if I can see that, why why is Ralph Rennick's supposed football genius taken so long to adjust? Yeah, no, look, very hard to disagree. And we will move on now. Um, again, if you are in the live chat and enjoying this little bit of a therapy session, please do leave a like on the video. That would be greatly appreciated. And if you are new, if you could click subscribe, um, it really does help the channel. So we truly appreciate that. But as we said, a draw or a loss or performances or team selection, that can all be frustrating. That can all be disappointing. It happens every week. Uh, I'm not going to lose my shit over a draw to Aston Villa type thing. We've had far worse results than that. And we're going to have far worse results from that. But what I saw in the aftermath of this match coming out from Ralph Rangnick and then later on, a couple of hours later, Anthony Martial, I'm not sure if Ralph Rangnick has been notified of this yet, if he went to bed or not. But here, we'll just bring it up here, Ralph Rangnick versus Anthony Martial. Larry, I don't know where to start. As I mentioned at the start of the podcast, this is close to the lowest point for me in the decade. There was that Jose Mourinho Pogba situation where Jose Mourinho stitched him up in front of the Sky cameras um, at training. I thought that was a bad move and I thought that was poor. But here's the manager calling out a player. And then two hours later on Instagram, that player calling out the manager. And this just stems back to the culture, uh, which Ronaldo has talked about, Roy Keane has talked about, and why ultimately, in my opinion, nothing will change. Bring a Jurgen Klopp in, bring a Pep Guardiola in with great players. Ultimately, if the culture is wrong from the ambition set upstairs and the decisions made upstairs, you look at Anthony Martial's contract situation, which is a huge factor in this sort of situation, these are why these things come out. And Roy Keane, look, look at Anthony Marshall's time. You know, what do you say? He's been here seven years. Has he had a captain, a Man United captain here for seven years? Ashley Young was a captain for a lot. Of, look, I like Ashley Young, but he didn't have that Roy Keane figure in the dressing room who would have weeded stuff out like this. And ultimately, that's down to recruitment. That's down to contract situations, ha- poorly handled by the club. And that's why I say look, we've had a mix of good managers, bad managers, good players and bad players. We've had the complete mix over the last decade. Surely the good players would have worked at some stage, but they haven't. And it's because of the rot that is set upstairs and ultimately this is the end result. You see little squabbles like this happening in, in the media, not even on the media, in social media, which I think makes it 10 times worse. So I don't know what my first question to you here is. Um, first one, whose side? Are you taking a side? I, I think I would maybe lean towards Ralph Rangnick, but ultimately we're not going to get the truth because Ralph Rangnick isn't going to back down. He's not going to change his story. Anthony Martial's not going to change his story now. So someone's lying. We're never going to get the truth. I'm just thinking, am I wrong to be back in Ralph Rangnick? Do we have to give the benefit of the doubt for Martial? But ultimately, when I did hear this, Larry, I hate using the word disgusted. If this is true and Anthony Martial has refused to play, if I refuse to go to work, I'll get sacked. If you refuse to go to work, you'll get sacked. Now, ultimately, they're not going to sack him because that's a huge financial decision. They won't get a transfer fee. Now, ultimately, the situation the club have put themselves in, they won't get a transfer fee for Anthony Martial. So he might as well sack him, in my opinion. But um, this is a mess. Talk to me, Larry. Yeah, this one's bad. Um, I, I don't know what to make of it, to be honest. I, I can't take a side. I, I've sat there. I sat there this morning saying "fuck Anthony Martial," and then I saw his tw- and then I saw his Instagram story. And if I'm being honest, Martial's probably the least active Manchester United player on social media. He 
doesn't post a hell of a lot, uh, but he comes out and posts this one. So clearly the word got back to him and clearly he got offended. So he felt the need to put something out there. I think if it was true, Martial can't come out and say that. I'd say it's somewhere in the middle. I imagine there's been a discussion. Martial's probably, I don't know, maybe there's a language barrier. By all reports, Martial's English isn't too good. Maybe he said some words in French, some words in English. Something, something will play. Something, something will play. Or au, au revoir, I'm not sure. Uh, German and French don't quite correlate to the same language. And I think if they were both Portuguese and Spanish, it would have been an easier discussion. But clearly, Tom, there's been a communication breakdown. Um, and United have gone one less player on the bench. That, and that was another poor look. How can Manchester United not fill all nine spots on the bench? Well, that, that's the thing. Ultimately, if he wants to, if this is a bit of a play in regards to a contract or a transfer, okay, I, I don't agree with it. But you can go, okay, extreme measures, you can understand it. But ultimately, he's sort of hurt the team here. Maybe we needed a striker. Maybe Edison Cavani, Mason Greenwood got injured. We needed someone to lead the line. And ultimately, he's hurt the team because we're down a player. Who are you going to throw throw up front? But, One but has he hurt the team? Like that, That's the thing, I think. We don't know, right? And I, the if, we, only if we had three, if we had three injuries up front, Cavani, Alanga, and Mason Greenwood all got injured in the first half hour. You need a striker. He's hurt yeah, the team. It, 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 it didn't result in that, but ultimately, in my opinion, he has hurt the team. I hear. Um, look, it's a difficult one. The only situation I can think of that's similar to this is when Fergie was going out. Um, I think it was his last press conference where he said Wayne Rooney's handed in a transfer request and that's why he wasn't in the squad. Um, but then Fergie ends up leaving, Rooney signs a new contract. It's a weird one. It's a really weird one. I, I don't know. I, I think Ralph Rennick's playing a dangerous game. I don't I don't know what he, even if it's true, I don't know what he achieves by saying that in public. If you're trying to get a loan fee and you're trying to convince clubs to pay his salary, what benefit are you doing by putting out there that he does not want to even be in the squad when he's fit? That's a pretty well, poor message. Well, he's made this mistake before. A couple of weeks ago, I called Ralph Rangie out, out on it saying, Marshall doesn't want to be here. I'm just thinking he's going to be impossible to sell anyway. Now we're saying he wants to leave and the club aren't going to get what they want to get because we know United are a business. We're not going to sell Marshall for $10 million. In United's minds, I think they still want $60 million for Anthony Marshall, which is not just simply not going to happen. A loan deal for United, I think, would be a disaster given Marshall his desire to sort of leave the club. So in my opinion, Ralph Rangnick, I kind of I appreciate the honesty and I like the honesty in how he's gone about these two situations. The first one saying he wants to leave and this situation calling it out if it is true. But ultimately... I don't think it helps United um, business-wise. And ultimately, I don't care about United's business, but at the end of the day, we have to because that is a huge part of the club. I think Ralph Rennick is showing that he's just... I mean this in a really respectful way. I, I don't I don't want to go over the top here. I think he's clearly showing he hasn't been at a big club before. You, mm. you can't say things like what he's saying at the moment. He's being way too honest. Things like yeah. admitting his mistakes... After the football game, oh, yeah, I should have switched to a back three. Probably I should have done that. Martial doesn't want to play. Like what? I don't know what he's getting at here. And look, reality is we have to care about United's business. We don't have a rich billionaire owner who, like Chelsea do or Manchester City do who are just going to pump billions in. If United don't make the Champions League, if the manager's coming out and literally dropping the value of the player with each word he says, it's going to impact United's business in the summer. So... Ralph Rennick's playing a very dangerous game. I know there's this whole, you know, he's got a position for two years. 
I don't think that's a done deal. I, I'm telling you, if you if you're asking me now, I don't think Ralph Rangnick will be here beyond this interim period. Yeah, no, look, look, we definitely we've both made that point in recent weeks. And look, I'm sure we're going to sort of dissect that a little bit longer and maybe more details will come out towards the end of the season. I just want to bring this comment up here a little bit earlier from Imad just before we do wrap up in regards to what we're talking about before, the culture saying, hold up, wasn't it said that Ollie was changing the culture of the club and would be leaving it in a better position for the next manager? What happened? Look, you can definitely point that finger at Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer. In my opinion, he tried to do the right thing. He got rid of Lukaku, got rid of Marouane Fellaini. Now, we could argue Marouane Fellaini was actually a good player compared to um, some of the players, but ultimately Marouane Fellaini wasn't a Manchester United player. We all agreed that it was the right decision to let him go, but got rid of Lukaku, got rid of Alexis Sanchez. He wanted to keep Ander Herrera, who was dying to stay at the club, but ultimately the club didn't offer Ander Herrera a pay rise. They offered him less money and offered Phil Jones a pay rise. And so Ander Herrera goes, hang on, well, PSG, you're going to pay me a lot more money. You haven't given me the contract I want. You've given Phil Jones a pay rise who hasn't played in a year. I want to go to PSG. So ultimately, I think Solskjaer did his best, but ultimately, like given the likes of Mason Greenwood, his debut, Brandon Williams, and players like that, he tried his best, but ultimately your hands are going to be tired. I think if Pochettino comes in and he wants to play youth or Ten Hag comes in, uh, he's not going to have the budget. You want Ten Hag comes in, I want three Ajax players, please. We'll give you one Ajax player and we'll give you a Vitesse Armand player type thing. I don't think they're going to fully back a manager. So I think every manager is going to have their hands tied. So, so what do you think about that in regards to not the legacy Solskjaer left, but the situation he'd leave us in because you, you do look at it and we're in a shit position when David Moyes left, horrible position when Louis Van Hal left, horrible position when Jose Mourinho left, exactly the same position when Solskjaer left. But in my opinion, and call me deluded or naive, but I do, I do think Solskjaer tried to do the right thing by the club. It's a really difficult one. Look, I think the club did let Solskjaer down in some respects. I think they've let every manager down. Um, we've seen Louis Van Hal come out and say, I, I basically didn't get... He, 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 I think he exaggerated, and I think Louis van Gaal's a bit sour grapes with United, particularly on how he left. So I take everything he says about the club with a grain of salt. He, he says he didn't get anything like the players he wanted, but in saying that, he did get Memphis Depay, he did get Morgan Schneider, and he got Bastian Schweinsteiger. I can't imagine Ed Woodward even knows who Morgan Schneiderland was. So I, I'm not, I, I, you know, I, I take everything he says with a grain of salt. I think where you can criticize United's hierarchy is. You look at Jose Mourinho's last transfer window. He got um, – who did he get? Um, he got Deleuze, Lee Grant, who has to this day made less than five appearances for Manchester United, and he got Fred. Uh, so you look at that and you say, okay, well, yeah, he was set up to fail, but was he back? No. Rightly or wrongly, he wanted to get rid of Martial Pogba and Luke Shaw. Now, you could argue, and to, to this day, fans debate whether those players are, uh, do have the mentality. So you could almost argue, was Jose right? I think, look, I think Jose was right to go, but you could argue he had a case. If you look in, in Solskjaer's example, I think since he came in, we've been saying he needs a, a deep-lying playmaker. We haven't replaced Michael Carrick. So, well, it, well a point here, what Wes just brings up, and in regards to that, Wes yeah. says we don't have rich owners and talking, well, Oli got well, a huge amount rich. of money they to spend. Well, they just won't put their money into the club. Well, in, in terms of the argument, well, Oli got a lot of money to spend, more than City have spent. However, what I would say... In terms of the way it is spent, look at Fred. If Fred is worth fifty million and hasn't worked out, three years later we're still kicking around with Fred in midfield. If Manchester City goes spend fifty million on a midfielder and he has a bad six weeks, they'll go spend another fifty million and fix the problem straight away. If we have Aaron Wan-Bissaka who costs fifty million and it's not quite working, we'll stick with Aaron Wan-Bissaka and give him a new contract because it's cheaper to up his wages than go and sell him. Um, for 20 million, go have spend another 60 million on a fullback and give them more wages. So ultimately, we do spend a lot of money, 
But then we're stuck with these problems if they don't work. These other clubs, if they see a problem on the pitch, they go and fix it with more money. Where we're sort of stuck with these problems we have if they don't work out. Two clear examples for Manchester City. And look, Pep Guardiola is a wonderful manager. Elite. I think the best manager in world football at the moment. But... When he when he came to Manchester City, he signed uh, he signed Bravo from Barcelona. He he had a woeful first season. Pep saw it with him. What did he do? He goes and pays thirty five million to bring in Edison. The season later, Manchester United brought in. Let, let's use one example. We we brought in Fred. Has Fred worked out? I'd say probably not. Think we need another midfielder. We all agree. Fred's still here. Harry Maguire. Everyone's saying we need another defender. He's still here. Mm. Who else we got? Martial, I think there's been criticism on Martial for a long time. He's still here. There well, so it, it comes, it comes out. It's to you're completely right. It comes out. It's cheaper for the club to keep these players and just give an extra five percent on their wages rather than go and spend on another player and pay them the, the same wages. That's an extra fifty million they have to spend. If they don't have to spend that transfer fee, we're stuck with players who aren't working out. Where football clubs designed and built for success get rid of the players who aren't performing. We're rewarding the players who are performing. Like, I go back to the Ender Herrera situation where Ender Herrera was not given a pay rise, even though Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was desperate to keep him. He was a key figure under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in that first six months or four months, whatever it was. But ultimately, Phil Jones was given a pay rise after not playing. And Ender Herrera's going, hang on, this, this is not quite right. I will go to Paris. And um, look, Ender Herrera got a bad rap for that. And look, I would have liked to see him stay. It's not about the money for me. But ultimately, I'm not going to really criticise him for that. I love him back at United, but it's decisions like that where other football clubs are designed to fix problems and win, we're designed to sort of just manage the books. Let's look at it from the other side, Tom. I mean, we, we've looked at it at the side of we don't replace bad signings, and that's something you just can't help. Fergie made bad signings. But yeah. look at it from the other side. Romelu Lukaku, do you remember how much United paid for him? £75 million. He's not at the club. Hmm. Di Maria, yeah. £67 million. Not at the club. Paul Pogba, £90 million. He's going to go on a free. Yeah. All the money that we've spent that's more than Manchester City isn't at the club or is about to leave the club. So it's so poorly spent, and that's clear. And that's the thing. You do look at a, okay, whether it be a Paul Pogba, okay, the contract situation should have been fi- fixed two years ago to not, okay, you can sell him for 60 million. Or if it's uh, Angel Di Maria, sell him for what you got. Because you look at clubs like Liverpool, I remember when they sold Jordan Ibe. Uh, I think it was Jordan Ibe. They sold him for, to Bournemouth for like 15 million pounds. Yep. We'll sell and plays like Nani, Raphael, and Roman Van Persie for combined one and a half or three million pound. I'm just thinking we just can't sell players, and that's off the back of the stupid contracts we do give them. For oh, you can sell a few shirts, or you scored, a, you put a goal in the top corner on Derby Day. Okay, we'll give you this huge contract, and ultimately it does kill the club. We do think, okay, the players do take responsibility, and ultimately they do. But if they put on these stupid contracts, and that sort of does affect their motivation going forward, ultimately it does affect them on the pitch. I think United now have the highest wage bill in the Premier League on average. I think, I think the me. average average salary was one sixty thousand pounds a week. And now I know Ronaldo's probably bumped that up a lot, but I, mm. I can imagine you got Martial, Rashford, Martial and Rashford would both be on over two hundred k a week. I'm certain of it. Both of those players, two hundred k a week was what we paid Wayne Rooney when he was just below Ballon d'Or level. Mm. Those two players, the best they've they've succumbed to is 20 goal seasons. Now that's impressive, absolutely. Don't get me wrong. But are they are they the level Wayne Rooney was when he got that sort of contract? I don't think so. Nowhere near. And that just shows mm. you United just we give players stupid. Co- and that's the other thing. Phil Jones getting a pay rise. What other club was going to pay Phil Jones? What United pay Phil Jones? Like we just don't pay to the market. It's just mm. 
we just say, oh, we're a big club. We'll just pay these guys whatever we want. It might be a case of, and this is where you have the issue with bankers, and I'm keen to see what Richard Arnold does. However much you give a player's contract, they, they actually put that value back on the club. So when you ever hear Manchester United are worth $5 billion, they're taking all the wages and the contracts of those players into account. So that might be something there, but it's all poor management for sure. No, couldn't agree more. And just one comment here we'll just wrap up on just in regards to that discussion we're having. Dion here saying we spent $45 million on Adam Palestri. And that was off the back of, look, I'm sure they were scouted. I'm sure they, the club did their due diligence. But to bring them on in on dead, both on deadline day, and they were kind of marketed or promoted as first-team signings. Where Amad, okay, you could kind of see almost see that future. But Palestri, you just knew was going out on loan and had no future at United. Amad ultimately won't have a future at United, whether that's right or wrong. We'll know in a couple of years' time. But yeah, shock, no, I don't want to say shocking signings for the individuals, but in terms of business, we called it at the time we tried to be positive with new signings. And you see the photo of them holding the shirt up. You try to say, oh, yeah, they're one for the future. But deep down, we know this is just nothing signing. Because who did we want that year? I think it was Jaden Sancho we wanted that year and ultimately go get um, Facundo Palestri to send out on Oh, that's another reason. one. Sancho, my God. He does not look like a £70 million player at the moment. I don't think he's been that – look, yes, not a £70 million player. I don't think he's been that bad, though. I think, I think he's kicking along nicely. Right. Remember, yeah, he's been all right. We do have to remember what we what we did say when he did sign. We said we do have to be patient with him. And ultimately, it will be far easier. If he were walked into Liverpool or Manchester City, who are winning every week, he'd look a lot better. Walking into the shit show at United, it's going to be tricky for him. So, oh, look, yes, he hasn't hit the ground running. I, I think he's been fine. Now, ultimately, you do have to be more than fine at Man United. But – um. I'm not losing too much sleep over Sancho at the moment. But, look, there's definitely cause for concerns, I think. You're definitely right. Anything else to add before we wrap up? But it has been an intense chat. I'm almost done my beer. But um, anything um, else? Because I'm sure... Let's make a something. prediction. Like something lighthearted, fun to finish on. Um, will Martial play for Manchester United? Is there a situation where we get to the end of January and he's still at the club? Oh, my gosh. That would be something. Uh, if this is true, and I, I don't know why, whether it's right or wrong, I am leaning towards Ralph Rangnick telling more of the truth than Anthony Martial. If that is the case, I'd be shot. I'd be dis- I hate using the word here. I'd be disgusted if Anthony Martial played for United again. If he's refused to play and travel with the team, no. For me, his goal against Liverpool now, whenever that comes on, I'll be flicking to the next channel type thing. His FA Cup goal against um, Manche- not Manchester City, who was the semi final, Everton at Wembley, the winner in extra time. For me, they're just goals now. Those moments Anthony Martial gave us. He goes in the ca- for me, he goes into the category now of your Di Maria, yeah, Alexis Sanchez type thing. If he's if he has refused to play, he goes straight into that category for me. Is that too I harsh? I realize we have to change our intro on the podcast now. We do too on the podcast. If you do obviously like do like a match review on audio format only, we are still on a podcast app. So please do obviously join us YouTube every week. But um, our match reviews, such as this one, still do go up on our podcast app, available on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, we will have to change that intro because we do have a bit of music. And um, I have my Roy Keane commentary and you've got your Anthony Martial commentary. So um, which players oh. lead in the race? Are you just going to go club legend so you don't get burned? Yeah, I think... Um... I think I'll pull some Wayne Rooney commentary out, I think. Until Wayne Rooney gets the job and he's sacked in two years' time. Why are we giving it to a manager who hasn't had any experience? Yeah. But hopefully everyone has enjoyed the chat. Um, Obviously, a little bit of a lengthy one and a lot of debate. And we do appreciate all the interaction in the comments. Again, when there's so so many people in the live chat and commenting, we do appreciate all the interaction, but it is hard to 
get to everyone read it out, but we do appreciate all the interaction and all the chat has been kept sensible. I was on one or two streams earlier this morning, obviously post-match, and I do see the live chat in the comments and I just think, oh, my God, some of the opinions and that are just ridiculous. But the, the chat in here is always level-headed and sensible, even if there is a difference of opinion. So we do appreciate that. Larry, a pleasure as always, even after a disappointing result like that. We have Brentford on Thursday morning. So it's Sunday here. We'll do maybe do a preview on Tuesday, etc. Um, Ronaldo will be back. Uh, I've just got to the stage. I'm just going to embrace the circus that we are, Larry. I'm just going to I'll be disappointed in it, but I'll just watch it like a soap opera sort of unfolding and just hope for a good cup run along the way. Maybe beat Borough, maybe get to a quarterfinal, semifinal at Wembley type thing and just enjoy the ride because nothing we can do as fans, unless 75,000 people stop going Old Trafford every week, there's nothing we can do as fans. So I'm just going to embrace it, try and enjoy it as much as I can. I would support I would support Fred the Red taking a break and we just start bringing out a clown who just juggles red Manchester United branded balls as the as the team walks out. Um, you give Anthony Martial, give him something to earn his wage if he's not going to be playing. Can I say, we haven't even discussed Harry Maguire being sat on the bench despite being fit. I think there's something in that, um, but that, maybe that's that's a story for another day. Definitely one for the preview. Well, well it'll be interesting, I think. How's Novak Djokovic? I hope he's um, I hope he's been able to catch this podcast as he um, boards a plane back as he flies home to Serbia. Yeah, that's the latest yeah, I've heard that he is looking for a flight home. But um, we do appreciate everyone in the live chat. We do um, truly, truly appreciate all the support and kind words. Obviously, compared to some of the other big channels. So, as I said, if you haven't liked the video, please do leave a like on the video. And if you are new, click subscribe. You're holding your phone now. It takes one second. Bang! Click subscribe and like. That would be great. And um, we'll chat to you on Tuesday with a Brentford preview. I just want to talk about Ronaldo coming back in the starting lineup because that's all I've got to enjoy at the moment, Larry. Yep. All right. Until Viva then, Ronaldo. we'll chat to you. Viva Ronaldo. Cheers.